This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like this. Go. Okay, you're listening to the two-headed nerd Comcast with Matt and Joe. Close enough. Thank what? you. Welcome to episode 28 of THN, where we're talking comics and comic news for the week of Wednesday, August 3rd. My name is Matt Baum, and when I'm not shirking my comic-related duties to study up for my upcoming fantasy football draft for my team, The Quiet Storm, and I'm thinking about putting together a Comic Nerds Only League, I'm writing about and appraising comics for WordPoint.com. Yeah, we're sexy. (laughs) And I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online, and when I'm not wondering if fantasy football works on a D20 system... Like D&D or a D100 system like Blood Bowl, I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. It's closer to a D20, I guess. This week, you'll hear reviews of Terry Moore's Rachel Rising and Punisher, number one from Marvel. After that, Joe and I will prove that though our new ape masters may be faster than us puny humans, nothing moves faster than two nerds dropping comic science in the ludicrous speed round. Oh yeah. Then, we'll play Madam Web and peer into the near future and tell you what you should be reading next week. And finally, we'll talk about what nerds are watching in this month's edition of Nerd TV. That's for you, DJ. But before we get all that inflammatory demagoguery, let's hold Harry Reid and John Boner down and fart on them. Until they understand that neither of them speak for the American people. Boner. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. The big news this week comes out of Hollywood where Warner Brothers barraged the internet with announcements and first looks for the eagerly anticipated Dark Knight Rises and Superman Man of Steel films. For Superman, it was announced that Morpheus himself, Lawrence Fishburne, father of Montana Fishburne. <laughs> That's right. Lawrence Fishburne will take up the role of Perry White, the Daily Planet's cantankerous editor-in-chief. This will be the first time an African-American has played the beloved character, who up till now has always been portrayed as Caucasian. Cantankerous? Cantankerous. Warner Brothers also released the first image of Henry Cavill as Superman in full costume, and he looks super tough. And just this morning, the first image of Anne Hathaway in costume as Catwoman hit the net Her costume is very reminiscent of the modern comic look designed by Darwin Cook, but it seems to be missing the trademark cat-eared mask. Matt, there's a lot to digest here. What do you think? Okay, in order. I don't hate the Lawrence Fishburne pick, but I do think it's weird. I don't don't get it. Uh, The only thing that gives me hesitation is when I think of Perry White, I want the pounding on the desk. Yeah. Uh, Like the just slightly... Just more rational J. Jonah Jameson. Right. Slightly more Where he doesn't take any guff, and, but he's not irrational, you know? And Larry Fishburne is a very talented actor. Yeah, I love okay? him. Don't get me wrong. I loved him as Cowboy Curtis, and I, I'm sure he'll be great in this movie. I just, I don't know. He's not, I don't know if he's my Perry White. And it's not a black or white thing. Certainly either. not. No. I've, I've got a ton of black friends. It's not like that. <laughs> my concerns about Perry White in this case do not at all come from looks. Perry, there's nothing about Perry White that is tied into his looks. No, there isn't like an image of Perry the, White I have in my The head. only concern I have is can Lawrence Fishburne deliver the throwing his hands up in the air, chomping a cigar, don't call me chief. Right, the intensity. Perry White. No, and I, I don't need the Zen master. Perry yeah, White. I don't want the, hello, Clark. <laughs> I, I want, I want. I have a very special story for you, yeah, Miss Lane. I want, I want the Jackie Cooper you know, like from the 80s Superman. Lane, get out there and yeah. there's only one S in Massacre, two S's in Massacre. Where he, where he benefits is the fact that we we don't necessarily have a hard and fast image of Perry White in our head like we do J. Jonah Jameson. J. Sure. Jonah Jameson has to have the Hitler mustache, has to have the flat top. Right. You know, so, and maybe he can win there. Moving on. Superman. 
there was a lot of complaints that I read about people saying the texture of his suit and stuff. And, you know, that could change. We don't know. The only real issue... Well, I had two issues. And one of them is very small. The spit curl. I'm sorry. I need the spit curl. I think I need it. Okay, but now there was an image on bleedingcool.com of Henry Cavill on set in his Clark Kent outfit. Right, and he had... And the spit curl is in full effect. Okay, and the other thing, and this is a little more... Was it just me, or did he look really mean and scary? Well, he, he wasn't, like, mean. grimacing or anything. He just I had, get it. He was stoic. But even, like, I don't know, Superman at his meanest is still handsome, friendly Superman, in my mind. And it's small complaint. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's too early to tell, because we don't know what the story's going to be. Right. I thought he looked good. The suit is... I just hope we don't get a darker, meaner Superman. You yeah, know what I mean? I don't need that. At Catwoman... The first image looks fine. I mean, we couldn't really see enough of her. She's on a motorcycle. There there were other pictures I saw of the stunt woman oh, really? on, on, the, on the bike from the side. And the costume, it is it is the Darwin Cook I think she looks cool. leather suit. The cat ears just wouldn't have worked. It, no, it they absolutely would. Because it's leather. Nah. It's leather. Nah. Uh, we already got bad ears. We don't need cat ears. No, too. we... I could see Nolan going... Eh. We What it looks like is that she's wearing some sort of gear that helps her pilot the bat pod or whatever she's on that little weird whatever it bat is. cycle i don't think that's her final look i think she's wearing something different for that scene right I, i'm sure there's something and i there. really think that if they're doing selena kyle as catwoman she has got to have that leather mask with those goggles uh it, with the goggles i'll give you i i don't know if the ears would work moving on <laughs> in spoiler news mike mcnola confirmed this week that hellboy the character he brought to life nearly 20 years ago would be dying in the pages of hellboy the fury number three coming out next week Magnola and Dark Horse Comics publisher of the long running series promised a major development that will attract mainstream media attention in a message to retailers earlier this week confirmation of the character's death came from editor Scott Alley Alley told Newsarama that the death is indeed real saying quote there's not going to be a new Hellboy in three months. There's not going to be a triumphant return from the grave anytime soon. Ali strongly implied that while this will be the death of the character, this will not be the end of Hellboy. Citing a quote from Mike Mignola, when characters die in these books, they just get more interesting. Joe, I'm freaking out a little bit. Should I make an appointment to get my Hellboy tattoos covered? <laughs> I, I think it's going to be okay. I think it is too. And let's keep in mind, Hellboy's died before. <laughs> Has he? Yes, he died and walked around in Africa and went under the ocean. He wasn't dead there. Yeah, he was. Well, they strongly implied he was dead the whole time. Uh, he was talking to ghosts, and but then I don't he think came he's back. <laughs> so, yeah. I, but this is the physical death of the character, and I get it. The only the only thing that upsets me here a little bit is like they just brought him back into the pages of BPRD and stuff. He's not and, in. He has not been in BPRD. Well, that's just it. They were saying Hellboy's coming back. Hellboy's don't worry, guys. Hellboy's coming back, and he makes like a he pops up here and there for a couple little appearances in a BPRD flashback, and then they kill him. I think the next phase of the Hellboy character is going to be maybe a, like Hellboy and. I don't know if it's going to be Hellboy in Hell or in the spirit realm or whatever you want to say. Well, we can all agree. Wandering the Earth as a ghost. It's going to be fun. Mike Mignola is going to write it. We're all going to like it. It's going to be a good time. Don't panic on this one, Hellboy fans. Yeah, it's going to be. I'm not worried It's going to be A-OK. Major media attention? We'll see. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and finally, you know it's a big deal when a comic story gets Glenn Beck and the Drudge Report all fired up. This week, Marvel Comics revealed that the new star of Ultimate Comics Spider-Man will be Miles Morales, a half-black, half-Hispanic teenager. Naturally, Marvel broke the news to USA Today. I mere that's Black Tino, I think. <laughs> Black Tino. 
He is a black Tino male. <laughs> uh, naturally, Marvel broke the news to USA Today mere hours before the release of Ultimate Fallout 4, the comic that introduced the new character. BleedingCool.com has been fanning the black Spider-Man rumor flames for months, and community actor Donald Glover famously ran a Twitter campaign to play the movie version of the character last year. <laughs> now, while writer Brian Michael Bendis cites Glover as an inspiration for the idea... The character's ethnicity has a more personal significance to Bendis and Editor-in-Chief Axel Alonso. Bendis has two adopted daughters, one Ethiopian and one African-American, and Alonso is of half-Mexican descent. But these facts didn't stop frothing madman Glenn Beck from implying that the change in the character's ethnicity had been demanded by Michelle Obama. I think I saw that on CNN. Yeah. She was smashing her fist on the desk. Yes. Like, Black Spider-Man! <laughs> so says the First Lady! <laughs> And uh, the Drudge Report's headline to the story was followed by the tag, dot, 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 could be gay. That is not a joke. <laughs> that That's what it's going to say on my grave. Right, Here lies Matt Bomb. dot, dot, dot. Could have been gay. Could have been gay. <laughs> and of course, not having their own radio shows and websites didn't stop a legion of racists from descending on the internet and spreading their nonsense. Matt, these idiots are ruining my day. Talk me down, will you? Okay, here's the thing. And just like what we were talking about with Hellboy, we know we've got a very talented writer here in Brian Michael Bendis, just as Hellboy has a talented writer in Mike Mignola. When they kill a character like this, they're doing it for story purposes. Right. We've got a new character that's going to play Spider-Man, and guess what? It's going to be great. He happens to be black and Hispanic and possibly Jewish and maybe gay. But that's, I mean, that's not the focus here. Anyone to get bent out of shape uh, over this, it's just ridiculous. It's important to note that the story, but what is kind of driving the story is the idea that Marvel turned Spider-Man black. No. Peter Parker died, and now there's a new Spider-Man. And the other side of this is, the the mainstream media, I sound like Sarah Palin, The, the media is missing the fact that this is ultimate spider-man this is a different reality where they're telling different stories and i applaud this this is ballsy and i think it's cool and it's a great jumping on point for people to that want to check out ultimate spidey if you're a kid and you want to read a spider-man comic this will be your spider-man yeah like who's to say if the miles morales character will stick but brian michael bendis has not let us down ultimate spider-man has been great start for 10 solid years we have nothing to worry about there there when I when they announced the storyline, the death of Spider Man, I never once my reaction was never once. It's probably going to be crap. No, it was good. It was heartfelt, and this is going to be a well told story from a respected creator. And you know that Miles Morales will have a real character and a real personality, and it will not come off as a token gimmick. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page where we were black, Jewish, and gay way before being black, Jewish, and gay was demanded by the first lady. Why do you keep mentioning being Jewish? Nobody said anything about him being Jewish. What's well, wrong, Joe? Don't you like Jewish people? <laughs> Some of my best friends are Jewish. There they are. Review time is here again, and that means it's time to talk about some new releases. Matt. Tell the three or four people still listening what you read this week. I read Punisher number one from Marvel Comics, written by Greg Rucka, with art by Marco Cicito. Cheese Cheeto. And cover by Brian Hitch. Frank Castle is back for the eighth time since 1986 with a new number one and a new creative team. But Frank isn't the only one returning. 
Greg Rucka, suddenly, without much explanation, left his writing job at DC's Batwoman in 2010 to concentrate on his creator-owned work. During that time, I think we saw two issues of Stumptown for Oni, which was good. Well, he may have been writing novels. We don't know. We don't read real books. I I can't read real books. It's not funny to joke. Regardless, Rucka is back and taking the reins of Marvel's favorite vigilante this time. Frank takes a back seat as two police officers investigate a mass killing. Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. Absolutely. <laughs> like, no doubt about it. And one of the cops has a very personal connection to the Punisher that he's not revealing yet. This kind of had a weird cover. That was the first thing that jumped out at me was the cover. I like Brian Hitch. This was a different kind not of me. look for Brian Hitch. But the gun in the Punisher's hand... Looks ridiculous. Me and Brian Hitch broke tiny. up. It looks like an ape is holding a gun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this big hand is a little tiny gun to me. Uh, that said, the rest of the art by uh, Chichetto and colorist Matt Hollingworth was gorgeous. Yeah, it was really, beautiful. Really beautiful. I'm going to say, like, what they did in this book, and someone else I spoke to, a friend of mine, said that uh, when they first looked at it, they weren't really sure what to make of it. Like, it, it just, they had to get used to it because it looked so different from everything else sure. on the shelf. And then they realized that it looked completely different from anything else on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it was like, wow, this is really good. And, and it was really interesting. Hollingworth uses this kind of a smoky technique to sort of hide some of the art and make things look a little more mysterious, a little more, like, sinister, this sort of fog of war type feeling to a lot of the pictures. Chichetto or Chichito or Cheese Cheetos art... <laughs> He has this very thin-lined, detailed style, and he uses some sort of affected photo backgrounds, but only very sparingly, and not like Ariel Olivetti, who just totally over... Well, they aren't photos inserted into the art. Not at all. It's like he used photo reference it's and the drew same way, like, over it. Like what Alex May leave do, like yeah, did in, yeah, in yeah. Daredevil. He, he placed his art Michael over Lark photo reference. did it as well and it worked very well. But the two of them have done a fantastic job bringing us right back into the Punisher's world instantly establishing that this is not a superhero book. This yeah. is not going to be a oh, superhero no, no. story. <laughs> this is going to be the story of the Punisher of Frank Castle as told through these two police officers who just happen to look like Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman <laughs> well, what's in the from box? Seven. <laughs> what's in the box, Frank? <laughs> but Rucka is perfectly at home here writing street-level crime fiction, and I love the inclusion of the cops. I, and I love it because I think the Punisher... You have to have a point-of-view character. Yes, the Punisher is way more interesting as this mysterious, silent character. Right, When right. we start learning all these human things about Frank Castle, he gets less interesting, and yep. he's not as scary. Right. I like the, the force of nature, Punisher. And and that's exactly what they establish here. And the opening, when we first see the Punisher, who, by the way, has zero lines in this book. Yeah. He does not say a word. Yeah. And I loved it. When we first see him, it's this moment where he comes into a bar full of a bunch of bad guys that we saw slaughter some people at a wedding earlier, cuts the lights, and begins to murder them. Yeah, the guy, well... <laughs> Just take them apart, you Yeah, know? The, the, the boss is standing there talking to his lieutenant, and he asks for a drink or something, and the guy stops talking, and yeah. it's because his throat has been cut, yeah, and nobody knows it. It reminds me of uh, the, the opening scene for Leon, the professional. Oh, hmm. wait, so well done, and I really hope they stay with this. I really hope they go this direction. Now, I do I do enjoy, and I, th- I thought it was overdue when they relaunched... Uh, I guess it was Matt Fraction at the time and later Rick Remender. The Punisher back in the Marvel Universe interacting with supervillains. I did think he had become too disconnected. But, you know, we had that for a time. And Remender 
had a great run and we got the whole Frankencastle experiment. <laughs> and that was something. But I liked it. You're, they, I did too. It was wacky. But you were absolutely right. I mean, the point of view character is essential because yeah. the Punisher is unrelatable. Yes. And we got that in the last run with the Henry character. And, there, and I don't care about his family anymore. I don't care about seeing him in pain or mourning their loss. Yeah. I want to see great white shark Punisher. I agree with that. With black eyes murdering people. It's like, I don't need to see Superman's origin anymore. No. We don't need it. Uh, it's part of the culture. Punisher, everyone knows the Punisher's origin. If you're reading the Punisher, you know who the Punisher right. is. And Greg Rucka is going to knock this out of the park. I hope the arc continues the way it is. I really like the backup story that they The backup here. story was good. Fantastic. Like, uh, set, the, like It was kind interview. of the origin of the, the younger cop, the Brad yeah. Pitt character. I give this one a very strong buy it. I'm looking forward to more. Matt yeah. is absolutely right. The yeah. tone was wonderful. And this is the Punisher I want to read now. I liked the last take. I loved the wacky kind of Punisher killing Stiltman and becoming a Frankenstein. That was all welcome for a time. Uh, but now, this is the Punisher we need. This is wonderful. Bye. Be punished. Joe, what did you read for the kitties this week? I read Terry Moore's Rachel Rising number one. Uh, this is self-published from Abstract Studios. Uh, this is Terry Moore hot on the heels of the end of Echo. Yeah, this guy's not taking any time He's off. He's not. And there was Boom, a bang. long there was a long gap in between Years. Strangers in Paradise and Echo. Years. But this I it's been maybe two months. Maybe. Three months tops. Yeah. I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't have anything prepared. Uh, because I sat down to write about it and most of what I was thinking just was about like how I felt as I read it. Well, there's a reason why, too. And I think that's because Terry Moore, he's a very sparse storyteller. Yeah. He lets his images and his characters sort of drag you through the story. He's not a real detail-oriented guy. Yeah. You get halfway through the book before a character even utters a word. Yeah. And Great. Really well done, too. Great so scene. I don't want to synopsize it too much because the opening scene is so powerful, but... The basic premise is that this woman, Rachel, has clawed herself out of her own grave. She has been brought back to life somehow. And it's been becomes very clear right off the bat that she was murdered and that she is off somehow. Yeah, there's something wrong. She's missing a whole chunk of her memory. Right. And she's missing days. Like, there's a scene where she approaches someone else and says... You know, I just saw you the other day, and they're like, nope, that was Tuesday. Today's Friday. It was Friday. three days ago, yeah. yeah. Not only is she missing parts of her memory, but there's something off about her personality. Like, her cat has stopped, yeah. you know, reacting yeah. with, with affection, and in fact was hiding under the bed the whole time. she's dead. Terry Moore has basically set up this mystery where she's trying to piece together the events of her own murder. Yeah. And you immediately... Sort of like the Lindsay Lohan blockbuster, I Know Who Killed Me. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so you are immediately given a suspect. You're immediately shown the murder. I mean, they just hit the ground running, Which, even though half the book is all art with no dialogue. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it. I flew through this one. If I had one complaint, I just wish there was more. Right, and so it feels sparse. But if you think about it, it has set up the premise for an entire, you know, however many issues this right. series has been in essentially... Let's let's just say it was a twenty-two page book, eleven pages. It sets up the story beautifully. This book just—it's a—it's just a really fun reverse murder mystery. Yeah. Where, and and what it looks like, I think we're gonna see 
is we are going to know exactly who killed her. We're He's going to build it. Sure, sure. Where we know exactly what happened. And it's up to the character to find out. And that is where Terry Moore excels. Yes. With, with his characters. This yeah. guy writes fantastic character-driven stuff. And I'm glad you went there because that was my next point. Uh, his characters are all fully realized. And even though... You know, some of these people we only see in passing. I could already get a sense of the character just in the way he draws them, their body language, and in the few lines that they have. So, like, the people she meets after she wakes up, or the people she's talking to in her flashback, you just get a real sense of who these people are, even though they're not in the book for more than a page or two. And speaking of the art, this... Terry Moore is a master. Yeah. The first 11 pages have no words. And it's just a showcase for his amazing black and white line art. People just don't make independent black and white comics that look like this anymore. Terry Moore is like the last of a dying breed. And I'll tell you what. Him and like Dave Sim and maybe a couple of other guys. Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith's another one. If this book, I'll tell you, if this book had been in color, I probably would not have enjoyed it as much. I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much uh, because the black and white just adds this mood that Absolutely. is really hard to replace. It's uh, oh, it's just so lush and full, and he doesn't skimp on backgrounds or anything. It's a beautiful-looking book. My only complaint is that there is a Fabio Moon pinup on the back cover. It's that should gorgeous. have been the front cover. Yeah, it is just absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> that should have been the front yeah, cover. the front cover kind of sucks. The front cover is... is It's just like this green... It's kind of a very Saul bassy looking. Yeah. It's just all shapes and, and color. Uh, but this back cover image by Fabio Moon... Beautiful. Bleh. This book, he's got me. I mean, I will buy anything Terry Moore writes. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm about I'm about 20 years late to the party, but I'm I'm glad I didn't miss out yeah. on like this one. Whenever he strays into you know non creator own work, like he wrote Runaways for a while, he had a, a disastrous run on Birds of Prey uh, back in the early 2000s. It's not as good, but when he's on his own characters, it's a, it's phenomenal. This book is so great. And do yourselves a favor. The reason I picked this instead of anything else this week is because I missed the chance to tell you to buy Echo number one. But now is your chance. There you Get go. on the ground floor, rate your rising, buy it. And thank you for those checks. <laughs> it's time once again to review 10 comics at speed so fast the Drudge Report would call it dangerous, dot dot dot, and possibly gay. <laughs> it's time for the Ludicrous Speed Round. Moon Knight, number four. Uh, Alex May Leave is getting better and better at this sort of new tweet style. I loved it. There was some fantastic banter. Yeah. When Miss Marvel turns, like, anybody here date Moon Knight? And they're like, no, no. And Spider-Man's like, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Buy it. Severed, number one. Oh, man. This was my pick of the week in the shop. Uh, Scott Snyder and Scott Tuft on a creator-owned book. It's a great turn of the century, the 20th century. Horror mystery. This is a beautiful book with beautiful art. Scary. Buy it. The Infinite, number one. Uh, Rob Liefeld proves that he is still a punchline we thought he was. And Kirkman proves that he can write uninspired 90s-style garbage with the best it of them. It was awful. This was terrible, and I am not piling on because it's cool to do so. This is one of the worst things I I've read in a I'd long enjoy it, but damn it was really bad. Leave it. Yeah, I agree. Roger Landridge's Snarked Zero. I have no idea what this is. Oh, man. Uh, this is Roger Langridge, the guy that was doing the Boom Studios Muppets comics. Okay. And it is beautifully drawn, hilarious, all-ages book. And it was only a dollar. It's jam-packed. It's only a buck. It's only a dollar. Just buy it. It's only a dollar. Buy it. Red Skull Incarnate, this, number two. This book proves that it can get even meaner and nastier with this issue. It's pretty uh, mean. More amazing art by Kolak. I'm loving what Greg Pak is laying down here. 
buy it all the way. Mystic, number one. I wasn't sure what to expect with this book, but the more I read it, the further I got into it, the more I started to like it. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it was beautifully drawn and well-written. Give it a look. Buy it. Flashpoint. Batman. Night of Vengeance. Number three. Uh, Brian Azzarello proves that he can, in fact, write Batman. This book. This was amazing. This God. was seriously amazing. And it was only three issues long. I loved it. Buy it all the I way. Hurt, I hurt in my heart when it was over. It was so good. Shield. Number two. Oh, man. Things are really starting to come together. Uh, the story is coming together. This is a beautiful book. Beautiful Dustin Weaver art. And I am finally... I finally feel like I understand what's happening. Buy it. <laughs> Hulk, number 38. Jeff Parker made me care about the Red Hulk, and now he's made me like the new MODOK. He's so cool. Dude, I love MODOK. <laughs> I do, too, but MODOK's, like, scarier than he's ever been. This story takes place in the aftermath of Avengers 14. Make sure to read that first. Strong buy it. Flashpoint, number four. You know, I think Flashpoint is on a strong every other issue is great kind <laughs> of, kind of uh, schedule. Uh, this one, for some reason, there were just elements of it that really turned me off. It's still good, and it's still, you know, Flashpoint as a whole, as a whole is great, and you gotta, you know, part four. This was definitely so. a break in the action. Yeah, it was It was kind of a down issue, but still. On the Wonder Woman Aquaman thing. You never loved me! Choom! <laughs> 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 Chachig! Choom! That's the and that is the sound of the Punisher's shotgun when he's killing fools. Choom cha ching choom. Choom cha ching choom. There you go. It's not racist. Now, let's take a look at next week's comics and tell these nerds what they should be reading. Joe, what's going to tickle your pickle next week? This would have been my pick anyway, probably, but based on the uh, word from Mignola and Dark Horse, it's got to be Hellboy the Fury number three. Yeah, everybody has to pick uh, it up, I This guess. is by Mike Mignola and Duncan Fagredo. The conclusion of the Fury, obviously it's going to be the death of Hellboy and it's going to set up whatever comes next. I can't wait. I've loved this series. And Fergredo's run, if if Magnola's not going to draw yeah, Hellboy... I'm fine with Duncan Fergredo doing it. Uh, yeah, Love absolutely. Him. So... I can't wait. Matt, what about you? I'm going with uh, another Dark Horse book. It's all Dark... It's all Dark Horse week. Man. Baltimore. The, <laughs> the Curse of the Bells. Also by Mike Mignola, with help from Christopher Golden, Ben Stenbeck, Dave Stewart, and Francesco Francavilla. Oh, man. This is an adaptation of a book that Golden and Mignola wrote about the Baltimore character. I loved the plague ship story that Baltimore was in. And Me I'm looking too. forward to this one. It's going to be and fun. Listen, if you have not seen... The Franco, uh, Francesco Francavia alternate covers that have been coming out oh, to BPRD, yeah. Hellboy, and, and now Baltimore. Good God, Gorgeous man. Gorgeous stuff. I love that guy. Me too. Love him. Me too. And he's stuck on back Black Panther. Pick up his shirt. You know what? I like that Black Panther book. Yeah, but. I like it. I need him to be drawn We're not something going into this now. better. It's a good book. David List is knocking it out of the park. I like that one. All right, all right. Well, it's the first show of the month, and that means it's time for our monthly installment of Nerd TV, where Matt and I rap about and sing about what nerds are watching. And as always, let's start with the big screen. Mac, Matt, Mac, Mac, get on the mic and do whatever you like. August kicks off with Planet of the Apes opening this weekend in theaters. I can't tell you how excited I, I am about this one. And I it's wasn't like, excited. It's like eighty-two percent on Metacritic. I wasn't excited before, but now I can't wait. <laughs> Also this weekend, but probably only in art house theaters, is Bellflower, the story of two friends that spend all their time building flamethrowers and other weapons in hope that a global apocalypse will come so their imaginary gang, Mother Medusa, can show people how to survive, sort of like my high school years. While waiting for the apocalypse, (laughs) they meet a young girl and fall in love, which leads to betrayal, love, hate, and infidelity, and extreme violence, way more apocalyptic than any of their fantasies. This sounds great. 
It's so apocalyptic. Next weekend, the 12th, get ready for Final Destination 5, which I believe be Final, 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 Final Destination. The finalist destination. On the 19th, the wait is over for Cal Drogo to play Conan in the new Conan the Barbarian and a movie that looks much more promising, the Fright Night remake. I'm not looking forward to Conan at all. It just looks awful. It looks um, so bad. Well, I don't know if I've seen enough of it to say it I don't need awful. Conan flipping and cartwheeling. On the 26th, Guillermo del Toro presents the remake of the 1973 horror classic. And in parentheses, I have a question mark, as in horror classic? Classic? Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, starring the amazing Guy Pierce and the cutest girl that nobody fantasizes about, Katie Holmes. Joe, <laughs> what do we have coming to DVD this month? Tuesday is DVD day, and this past week we saw the release of Rift Tracks Live, House on Haunted Hill. I went to that. It was awesome. Yeah. And the MSG3K versus Gamera box set that includes Joel, Crow, and Servo riffing on all four of the Sandy Frank Gamera movies. On Tuesday the 9th, get ready for the complete mask. That's M-A-S-K. As in M-M-M-Mask. Yes. <laughs> And James Franco and Danny McBride in the stoner fantasy Your Highness, starring the cute girl everyone fantasizes about, Natalie Portman. On the 16th, the much-anticipated, much-anticipated <laughs> adaptation of the Korean manhwa Priest, starring Paul Bettany, finally hits DVD and Blu-ray. On the 23rd, if you're only going to buy one DVD, it should be Troll Hunter. Yes! Available for $10.99 on DVD and $14.99 Blu-ray at Amazon.com. It was so good. I saw it in the theater. It was so good. We Stop putting in product placement plugs. We are not sponsored by Amazon.com. <laughs> I'm trying to help Troll Hunter out. And finally, on the 30th, it is the Chronicles of Narnia, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Which I forgot even happened. I haven't seen a Narnia movie <laughs> since totally the second one. I forgot it even happened. Yeah. On TV this month, get ready for new episodes of Thundercats and Cartoon Network, which was great, I might add. I still have to see it. And the Wolverine and Iron Man anime versions, which I can't see because they're on G4 and DirecTV just lost G4. What is that crap? Well, it's your fault for switching to DirecTV. The only premiere this month is Doctor Who on BBC America on Saturday the 27th. <laughs> So set your DVRs. New at Netflix Instant Watch, you'll find Skyline, starring Scrub's very own Chocolate Bear, Donald <laughs> Faison, fighting aliens. Legend of the Fist, starring Kung Bear. Fu badass Donnie Yen. The Crow Salvation, <laughs> featuring Kirsten Dunst and Eric Mabius. They're bringing I, the crow back, just no in time for the clue. return of the crow. No clue. Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, season one. Totally awesome. I love it. The 1994 and 1967 Spider-Man anime. I love series, it. Both great. The complete 1990s ah! X-Men animated series, which was not great. I love it. The complete home movies, which is just so oh, great. Home movies on Netflix? <laughs> yes, the complete home movies. I should read this script before we record. <laughs> <laughs> Samurai Champloo, which is an anime with a hip-hop soundtrack that I really enjoyed. <gasps> and the original Star oh! Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation, what? Voyager, and the red-headed stepchild of the Star Trek family, Enterprise, oh. are all streaming. Oh. Now, okay. I am so excited. Where's Deep Space Nine? I, I love Deep Space Nine. Oh, yeah. I think it's love it, love probably it, it. my favorite. My favorite Star Trek show. Um, yeah, it's right up there. I had a dinner with a friend of mine and his girlfriend who showed her name nameless who was trying to tell me that Enterprise was the best one. And I said, look, <laughs> even fans of Enterprise are embarrassed that they love Enterprise, that show. Listen, Enterprise is not a Star Trek show. I forbid, I refuse to acknowledge yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sorry. but It may have been good. She's wrong. But no. She, and I love Bakula. Don't get me wrong. Give me Hawk from Spencer for Hire in a Starfleet uniform. That's, That's all I ask. <laughs> plenty of stuff to keep a nerd busy this month, guys. And as always, come to our Facebook page and let us know what you guys are watching. Sort of, sort of, sort of break it, break it down, down like down, this. Down, down, down. Guess what? 
I get to do the outro this week. That is it for the two-headed nerd this week. If you want to be the token wheelchair kid, oh, that means I have to read the wheelchair joke. That's right. You get all the handicap jokes, buddy. Oh, man. If you want to be the token wheelchair kid in our multicultural kids club on our wacky adventures each week, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes where we need your star ratings and reviews like kids need candy from strangers. If you want to feed this monster, you can click our donate button at twoheadednerd.com and even if it's only a dollar, anything you can give will be appreciated and goes right back into making this show better. And thank you so much to those of you that have already donated. Yeah. You know who you are. Big ups and to you guys. we appreciate it more than you know. As always, you can find all things Two-Headed and Nerdy at TwoHeadedNerd.com where you can find our Twitter handle and links to our brand new Tumblr blog featuring the journalistic stylings of your favorite Two-Headed MCs where this week you can find the Planet of the Apes memorial list of the top five monkeys in comics. <laughs> that is award-winning journalism. That's folks. right. And if that's not enough for you, head on over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer the question of the week. This week's query, what do you think of the new spider Is the Peter Parker character vital to the ultimate Spider-Man, or is the Spider-Man concept strong enough on its own to make him nice? That's a good question. Yeah, that's solid. I can't believe you came up with that. We're smart. That's really good. Who would fart louder, the thing or the Hulk? The Hulk. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to my own fiancé, Michelle, who surprised me with a shiny new iPhone for my birthday on Wednesday. We're firmly ingraining us in the Apple cult. That's right. I have now caught up to the future, and I've been able to read this episode's script from the glow of a warm touchscreen. We're paperless. That's right. Doing the earth a favor, folks. Word to you, baby. And word to you, Al Gore. And until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. You are so bad at this. This is your job. This is your damn job. I asked you to do one thing. I can't do it. Goodbye.